I think it's important to feel outside the way we feel inside. When I'm dressed like that, I'm more inclined to listen to Debussy or Chopin than to heavy metal. People who love to sing, and a lot of people think they can sing, but maybe they can't sing. But this is a place where you can really go and find out, right? If you have uh, hope to <laughs> to use your voice well, and sing, well. is that true? But when you adopt a dominant position, yeah, you tend to produce more serotonin, and that helps balance out the stress. Because when you have straight right, you have a ton of cortisol building up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this new episode of Sartorial Talks. Today, as you can immediately notice, we are not in our normal setup. We are not at home. We are not in France. We are in the United States of America, but in a very special place because we are in Beverly Hills. So I don't know if this name rings the bells in your head, but this is the place in Los Angeles, which is close to Hollywood. And we are surrounded here by all the major studios of movie. And uh, this is a very interesting place. I've, n- I've been only there once before, and I must admit it's quite an impressive uh, environment. And today we are um, with our friend Skander Lajimi who is the founder and uh, the head of the French Conservatory of Beverly Hills. Hello, Skander. How Hello, do you do? Hello, Very well, thank you. And of course, my beautiful wife, Sonia, is with us today. How do you do, darling? Yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, California, you like the climate here. I've always loved California. From the yes. moment I step off the plane, I feel better. And we discovered yesterday with Skander a little town close to Beverly Hills. We didn't know. It's, it's called Burbank. Yes. Uh, we, we love it, huh? Yeah, it's very uh, cozy place and um, adorable. Lots of yes. nice restaurants. So you may ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen, why are we uh, with uh, a musician, uh, the head of a French conservatory of Beverly Hills? What does all this have to do with the sartorial talk, with the sartorial journey? But first answer, as you can see, Mr. Lajimi is very well dressed. I think he caught the virus of the sartorial virus, um, um, I, I think two or three years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, about that, almost four. Four years ago? Almost. Okay. And as you know, we launched um, um, a a series of episodes with uh, some of our followers and readers or people who are following Sotorial Talks. And we want to investigate uh, with them uh, why all of a sudden they decided to to really um, um, jump in the big swimming pool, in the sartorial pool, and start to dress in more elegant way every day. And so we're going to discuss this with uh, with Skander because um, his um, his uh, conversion to the sartorial world is about four year old, and I'm very interested to know what make him decide to embrace this fantastic path. Uh, second reason is that we notice with Sonia that among our public, we have a lot of classical musicians. Do you remember that? Uh, in a, recently, right, in a party, we had so many pianists. Uh, a and, lot of pianists, yes. right? And starting back in the day, we had Justin Mellon. Exactly. Probably our first um, actually famous uh, music, musician that Exactly. And now we us. have uh, Michel Dalberto, for example, That's right. very famous concertist. We have Jean-Paul Gasparian from the new generation, very big uh, upcoming name in the, in the classic um, music, classic piano. And um, we were um, trying to find bridges between the two. Now, there's a lot of bridges between mm-hmm. the classical music and the sartorial world. And namely one, which is very important, is that it's maybe one of the last activities 
in the world where they still um, um, uh, play with a dress code. Exactly. That is to say, when you go on stage, most of the musicians, specifically when they play in solo, they are all very well dressed in white tie or black tie. And of course, orchestra also are playing in this dress code. And it's probably also why we have so many professional musicians who are interested in the sartorial movement. But before deep diving... Uh, in all these, before speaking of the French Conservatory in Beverly Hills, which is a little slice of France in the middle of Hollywood, uh, we have a surprise for you. Actually, um, Skander prepared a surprise for us. And F, as it is a surprise, I will not tell you what it is. You're going to see it right now. Here we go. A beautiful gift for a thank you, Skandera, because it's the first time that our music is played uh, with real musicians, uh, not in a studio, and uh, it's something that is very uh, important for us. I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Mellon composed this um, uh, track for us. It became the Sartorial Talks track. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, no need to go to Shazam. Shazam will not recognize this piece because it's a bespoke piece of music that has been composed for us by Justin Mellon, the famous composer uh, who making all the big series on Netflix. So hello, Justin. How do you do, my friend? And so now we can say that we maybe are one of the rare uh, YouTube channels in the world to have our original music and now our original music played by real musician. What a treat. <laughs> so... Let's speak now about the French Conservatory of Music, and maybe you can introduce yourself uh, quickly, explaining who you are, where are you coming from, and there's one thing with Scandal is that he speaks perfect French, so that's a mystery man. How can it be that you speak such a good French? Huh. That's an interesting question. Well, it's very simple. Yes. Um, I am French and Swiss yes. and Tunisian and all those countries speak French. Yes. Um, so you're so, French, Swiss and Tunisian. Yes. My father is Tunisian and French. My mom is Swiss. I was born in Tunisia, but I grew up in Switzerland, France and Belgium. Mm -hmm. And my mother tongue is, uh, is French. Okay. So you, you speak perfect French and perfect English. So, Skander, can you say your full name for me? Oh, my full name is Skander Lajimi. Lajimi, and yeah. what is the Lajimi? What is the story behind your name? So Lajimi actually is pronounced Lajimi in Arabic. Lajimi, yeah. I believe it it means uh, from elsewhere, from the stranger, the foreigner. Oh, okay. Um, I think it comes from my father's family when a part of his family arrived with the Ottoman Empire in Tunisia. They did not speak Arabic, and so they were called the foreigners, oh, and wow. that name uh, stuck. 
I see. Thank you. So that's what it means. And Skander means Alexander, just in case you were wondering. I see. Oh, Skander yeah. is the uh, Oriental it's tr- translation. It's the Arabic, yeah, Arabic version of it, except that Alexander has the particle al, which means the, mm-hmm. and Skander doesn't. To be exactly the same name, it would have to be El Skander. Okay. But it's just Skander. Okay, so it's like okay. Xander, if you will, okay, in English, okay. instead of Alexander. Okay, now you, 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 you know all the etymology of the Skander <laughs> name and Lajimi. So now let's deep dive into the French Conservatory of Music. And we want to know, why did you um, decide to open a conservatory, a French conservatory, because the French is very important uh, yes, in, in, in the title, in Beverly Hills. How can that happen? Uh, did you notice that there was some kind of, a, of a, a market for you here or there were people where needed the French way of teaching music? What is the beginning of this story for you? And, and when did you open this? And tell us a little bit about the, the genesis of the French Conservatory of Beverly Hills. Sure. I mean, it came a bit as a coincidence. Originally, we were not aiming at coming to the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2009, uh, the president of the International Conservatory of Paris, Madame uh, Françoise Le Vichin, mm-hmm. uh, commissioned me to um, become a project manager for the International Conservatory, yep. um, hoping to open uh, conservatories in the uh, Gulf area, the Emirates in particular. In oh, Abu okay. Dhabi. It means Abu Dhabi. Uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Qatar. We looked at Bahrain as well. Okay. And um, in order to to do that, um, I was uh, my mission was to um, develop curriculum that would be parallel to the classical curriculum, mm-hmm. um, with the mission to uh, preserve and um, the, the the local musical heritage. Yes. So it would also work uh, not just as oh here we are bringing our French culture to you. No, no, no. It was there to help develop the local. Um, uh, musical tradition, yes. help preserve it and help it expand. And the thing is, because I have Arabic origin, I also had an understanding of traditional Arabic music. Which is normally functions. monophonic, right? Uh, this it's, is how we listen to it. It's very monophonic. It's difficult to harmonize. Right? Yes, that's true. That's by nature is because of the maqam system they use, which is basically their scale system. Maqam? Maqam. Okay. Maqam. Uh, maqamat, that's the plural. Mm-hmm. Um, they use quarter tones. The the tuning between the notes changes. And so um, the notes within a scale don't necessarily relate to other notes within the same scale, which prevents harmonization to occur like we see in uh, tonal music in Western Western music. But that was uh, your mission? That was my mission. Harmonize that. Well, the harmonization of it was part of building the curriculum because we wanted to make sure that Arabic music would not be stuck in this kind of cycle where it would be forced to always mix with other genre. Of course, yeah, to do fusion, right? Yes, exactly, all the time. Because the more you do that, the more you dilute yourself. Of course. And it was kind of... And you lose the tradition, you lose the original sound and everything. Exactly. So you did this. Yes. So you're kind of a scholar in, in music or uh, yeah, you are? At right? that time, I guess I was. Um, <laughs> so we, we found out, my research led me to discover writing techniques that would allow for the harmonization of authentic maqam systems. That means we preserve the traditional tuning system of the maqam Mm -hmm. uh, without having to turn it into Western tonal music. So that keeps it it authentic, Mm -hmm. but allow it to harmonize and play on a larger scale with bigger orchestras. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too much into details why that's important, but... Harmonization allows for bigger ensembles to play, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it would al- it allows also for um, the music to take many more uh, direction on different dimensions because it, it's like you're adding 3D mm. to uh, to it, and so that has a lot of practical applications. It's already one item, ladies and gentlemen: harmonization.
you heard about that in our mouth with Sonia. Huh? We speak about harmonization, how to harmonize your suit, your That's tie. It's, it's the same subject. And so that was in the past. So you yes. are, there was your mission for the French, the Parisian International Conservatory, yes. the International Conservatory of Paris, to go there to try to open a conservatory in the Middle East and then to do this work as a scholar, as a music theor musicologist. I don't know how you can I say guess that. You, I, guess, I guess you could say that. Yes. Um, it was musicology work for sure, theory yeah. work for sure, yeah. a lot of research involved. Mm -hmm. um, and then it didn't work in, but the, in, in the... So yeah. the, the, the research worked. Yeah. We have demonstrated it was actually possible to harmonize traditional yeah. Arabic maqam systems, mm -hmm. but uh, one of the issues is that I got really sick oh. at that time mm -hmm. and for health reasons i had to kind of return to europe okay um and that led me to hit the reset button on my life yes and uh, following that i ended up in the united states in los angeles for one year it led me to um to um study um, acting for a year it was just a thing for me to kind of reset everything rethink my life after Hence the the presence here yeah. in los angeles and th this is how i came to this los is angeles the, the acting place of the world right? yes yeah i found a, a great school here in, in in los angeles and i decided to to study there get a, a diploma in acting i was scoring for film as well at the, at the time i thought that was would be a good compliment and i really needed to kind of reset and rethink everything about my life mm -hmm. and while i was here i discovered that they have fantastic Uh, university programs, UCLA, USC have great music programs, but not much in terms of preparing students to get into them. Okay. I mean, there is Colburn in downtown, which is a great school, has a great reputation, but mm -hmm. Los Angeles is big. a big city yeah. and uh, there was nothing like we had in France. So and talking about France, um, having gone back and forth to France since 2016, um, people going to the conservatory, that's something that I hear Uh, regularly. It's not uncommon to uh, hear that once or twice a week from different types of people. But in America, we don't hear this phrase conservatory. It's not part of our culture to the degree it is in France. So can you just explain, um, because you had this epiphany when you came to the States to offer this uh, conservatory concept, can you just explain what that is in France? Like just a definition of conservatory? You well, mean the French approach and the, and the yeah. French system of conservatory? Yeah. Yes. Well, generally speaking, conservatory means to conserve. Yeah. And it's conserving the tradition, um, the musical tradition in this case, but that applies also to ballet and, and theater. Um, and with this tradition comes a know-how mm -hmm. and a rigor and yeah. a discipline uh, that is communicated from generation to generation. That's really what the function of a conservatory is. It's not just a music school. It's really a place where students learn about their culture, their heritage, yes, and, uh, <clears throat> and grow through that and learn also the values that come along with this. Mm -hmm. So I'll just um, throw out an example close to us is um, Hugo's son, Greg, yes. mm -hmm. he decided that he wanted to learn bass guitar. Mm -hmm. He had uh, some previous experience, but really no degree of expertise to, you know, the level where he would perform. So he said, I'm going to the conservatory and I'm going to learn bass guitar. I'm like, that's nice. And then it, you know, it was all uh, supplemented in terms of, of paying for it. But so that's nice here. It's not so much um, supplemented. You actually pay, um, a decent amount to be able to have that privilege. But once you do that, you're able to move into higher institutions at a much um, 
easier rate than if you were to go into a higher institution and try to enter. A conservatory here is more like a prep, a, pre, a way to prepare for a higher institution where I perceive a conservatory in France is more like um, honing in on a hobby or um, self-development. But maybe you see it differently. Well, in France, the thing is um, cons- there are different types of conservatories. Um, there are the municipal conservatories. Those are the entry-level conservatories. In the towns? Like yes. the towns. Greg is going okay. to a municipal probably one. where he's going. Okay. And then mm-hmm. you have the uh, regional conservatories, All right. which require um, auditioning. All right, and the, and the selection becomes quite harsh already. Ah, but you, you, so you, that's you, the difference. You enter quite young, but you need to have already some experience. So within your age range, there are expectation. And I think uh, Juilliard does that. For example, they have a, a junior exam for twelve year olds or something. Wow, where they have expectations, you have to play a series of of pieces of certain level in order to be accepted. I guess to enter the, their academy. And then we have the National Superior. There is one in Paris and one in Lyon. Those are like university level uh, conservatories. That said, we also have private conservatories. Um, The International Conservatory, for example, is a private conservatory. I got it. And how would you describe your conservatory here in the States? So we are a private conservatory. We're in essence, an offshoot of the International Conservatory of Paris, which was founded by uh, Maurice Ravel. Wow. Um, by Maurice Ravel himself. Yeah, wow. himself yeah. With the help of uh, Paul Ducat and Jacques Hibert, also two great composers of the time. Um, but we are a pr- private institution with the mission to bring, of course, that tr- tradition and that uh, knowledge and know-how uh, here to the United States. We teach in English, not just in French. Um, and we offer that service to people who want something rigorous to prepare for university, mostly for for that purpose. Because the United States, let's face it, has great schools, great university programs um, on the East Coast as well. It's just that Los Angeles, and it was, it's the same situation currently in Las Vegas, which is why we're actually going to open one in Las Vegas oh, soon. two locations. But to stay in Los Angeles, that, that was the, the main issue is not to have the greatest school. You have those. It was to get you in them. Into the school. And to get in, you need to audition at a very high level. And I'm not even talking about a scholarship, just to get in. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the, the, the problems we try to address um, by coming here to the United States. So you do the ground, you help the student do the groundwork to gain entry into these higher institutions. And what are some, I know you, you do piano instruction, guitar instruction. We do piano, violin, viola, guitar. We have a few string instruments. We have woodwind instruments, saxophone, clarinet, uh, flute. We also do voice. Yes. Classical and jazz. And for the younger children, we, we work on, uh, simpler repertoire, uh, things that are not too uh, demanding on the voice because, you know, before they finish puberty, it's still fragile. Right. Uh, we need to be very careful with and that. And I did read you're doing something with dance now. Is that right? And we also have uh, ballet, uh, ballet at the conservatory, yeah. yes. I have a question because uh, you see that um, um, why the word French is important in the uh, title of your school. It said the French Conservatory of Beverly Hills. That is to say... Uh, does it mean that we French have a different approach, a different way of teaching music than the American? I know we don't have the same um, um, scoring. Uh, you use in America A, B, C, D, E, and we, we use Do, Ré, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, Do. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you are teaching the French system right here. But well, can you explain uh, to us the difference between the American way to approach music and the French way? 
This is the way you approach music here in America sure. and how it can be very profitable to um, the young students, American students, or from elsewhere, because I know you teach online. We're going to get to this in a moment. Um, but what is the difference? Because is there some kind of a French approach to the teaching of the music? And how would you define this? Because I understand that the word French here in the, in the USA and people in my country, they don't know how prestigious it is for many people here. In France, we think that we are losing, that we are not a big country anymore. But when you go abroad, you realize how fantastic is the, I was about to say, the sex appeal. <laughs> yeah, but it is a, some kind of an appeal, you know, yeah. that it's French. You know, yeah. you see French everywhere in the supermarket here, even for some stuff who are not French at all. Yeah. And so, your instructors are even French. Some yes. of them are, yeah. So why, why, is there a kind of French way to approach the The, the 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 way of teaching music yes but it's not universal within france yes um i guess i could make the parallel between lacoste and chiffonelli mm -hmm. okay they're both french industries uh, yes. companies yeah they don't do exactly the same thing not exactly they're both doing clothes yeah so even in france we have that yeah there are differences within institutions and teachers but one thing that is true in france is that we have a long heritage at least for the past 200 years that of goes course. back to which Chopin is not the case in the US, all the great course. masters yeah. and yes and the united states didn't really have that However, the United States received a lot of influence from all over the place. They have a, a huge influence from the Russian musicians, English, uh, some French. Nadia Boulanger was in New York for a long time, okay. who was a phenomenal uh, uh, teacher. She taught some of the greatest musicians of the 20th century. Um, so they have a lot of influence from many places. And again, in the United States, they have great programs at very high level. Mm -hmm. The thing is... I think, and that's just my personal opinion, the Americans are great at optimizing things, yes. you know, and you see that with the food industry, for example. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the French, generally speaking, are good at really going into detail and craftsmanship. Absolutely, thing, my right? friend. This is who and we so, are. Exactly. So yeah. the, this mindset is quite different. And um, the way we teach music relates to that more than trying to optimize to get as much volume as possible. We try mm. to enable each student as an individual to develop their full potential, whatever that potential is, mm -hmm. and uh, enable them to build the character, the, the strongest character they, they, they mm -hmm. can uh, they can build through that education. Yeah. Uh, so there's no shortcuts being taken. Yeah. Now, it's true that the pedagogy of the French approach is different from the pedagogy of the Russians, for example. Yes. Um, you told me that the Russians and the people from the East, for example, they go directly, how do you call uh, GAM in, in English? Scales. Scales. So they, they train their kids Uh, like they are like uh, professional sportsmen, basically. They they do scales immediately, like gymnastics, you know, pretty much. And they want to impress immediately and make the people play immediately and impress. Whereas the French, you start at the beginning. It's something which is maybe a little bit more difficult at the beginning and not very rewarding. But at the same time, as we say in the tutorial world, first learn the rules, then break them. Yeah. And then you are following this philosophy. That is to say, you are really putting the, the basic rule in place with the student first. And specifically, you told me something I was not aware of, is about the sound, yes. the position of the, of the hand on the sound, and to force the student to find literally the sound yes. and how this piece of music should sound. And I never heard about that before I came to you. And it's, for me, it's a very interesting situation. So it means that you start really from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It might be a little bit tough for the kids at the beginning because the first few lessons, you're not entertaining them for real. And if they come back to their parents, they can't play immediately Mozart. Yeah, But you are putting the basic in place. Is it good what I, I was saying? I guess you yeah. summed it up pretty well. I, I mean, 
So to take the Russians, for example, it's true that at least in the 20th century, um, because things changed after the communist revolution in their way of approaching many, many things. And I think um, music was impacted in that way. But it's true that it seems to me that they tend to view uh, piano technique or generally uh, uh, music as a, a form of gymnastic or athleticism. So I had a discussion with um, um, a dancer, a ballet dancer from uh, from France, Louis Noisette. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, he was uh, visiting the conservatory. Um, and we discussed the difference between the, the French and the Russian ballet, for example. Yes. And he was telling me this is very simple. And, and that illustrates really the general mentality, the difference on in terms of the what we value as French artists and what they value as Russians. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's just a matter of what we value most. And so he was explaining, for example, if um, uh, a dancer in France wants to lift their leg mm. high up, the French approach is more about trying to work the entire chain of muscle and from the build core the muscle and build it at its way. So you're not going to have your leg go up right away. Yeah. It's a long process to really build it. But then that builds very, very smooth core strength from the beginning because it's strong from the inside. It's a long process, yes. but the end result is so gracious. However, yes. on the Russian side, they want to be efficient. If they want the leg to go up, they'll pull on the leg. <laughs> and so I, I, yeah. I think I think there's a, a big difference in philosophy there. And so same similarly with, with piano, our results are not impressive right away to the parents because we're working on the minute details. They're only playing two, three notes, but each note, we start to phrase them right away. We start working on different articulation. We start to build those core reflexes within two fingers, and then we add more fingers to it to shape the hand. And then by focusing on the quality of the tone, we force them to search the touch that is correct to get that sound. And that forces them to have proper position, of course, with some guidance. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that you cannot obtain the correct sound if you're not applying the correct gesture. Right. If you try to attack from the arm and you try to play quiet, mm. it's not going to work. The okay. arm is the wrong tool for the job. Right. Mm -hmm. And so by forging all of that, you forge the front of the hand first, and then we work backward that way, but always in the musical context. Similarly, when we do technical exercises, mm -hmm. we always work them musically, not mechanically all the time. Okay. Because that's so, part of the technique. So, so it almost a becomes a second nature instead of something mechanical. It so yes, it yes. becomes built in. Right. And then right. no matter what they play, they always have that level of control over their sound. I got it. Mm -hmm. I noticed a shift here. We were speaking earlier about getting into higher institutions, mm -hmm. which is more training of, um, I would say, preteen, teenagers, um, to move th that next step into higher training. But now you've moved into um, children yeah. and parents um, bringing their children to you. So can you give us an example? What is the youngest child, for example, that, that's come... To, to seek help there. Well, the youngest we we accept usually are four. Those okay. are rare, though. Um, okay. We often test them first, make sure they're ready. Because if they're not mature enough, and it has nothing to do with intelligence, it's just that you know, young kids sometimes they just want to play around. They don't want to sit and focus and follow 
commence. So if they're not ready to have a one-on-one -on -one lesson, we don't uh, we don't start. We'll maybe recommend them to have some musical activities outside in a group class where they're playing, they're having fun, they're playing with some drums. That's not what we do. There are a lot of places who do that of well. Course, but right. once they're ready to have take on one-on-one -on -one classes right. with formal instruction, as soon as they're ready, yes, we will accept them. So what is the general age with your in your experience for serious instruction? Five to six. Usually. Oh, the that young. Four, four okay. are the exception, but five to six. Um, sometimes they're not ready until seven. That's okay. also fairly rare, right. but it happens. Yes. I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. So what are some other areas? We talked about um, getting into higher institutions. We talked about parents bringing their children. And I'm just going to bring up something you told us earlier about, uh, I think, a 78-year-old gentleman. So can you just tell that? story briefly it yes. means that you teach to adults too right yes we teach we teach we have a lot of adults um actually we we have a curriculum designed for them because okay. the approach in pedagogy with adults is completely different than the pedagogy you will have with kids with children mm -hmm. um adults are a lot more stubborn i am yes am. um they understand concept much easier mm -hmm. but kids it's kind of a blank slate you know um you tell them and then they'll just do Adults question you a lot. Yeah, of course. Now, it's good. It's good to question, but sometimes it's not to their benefit because then they don't necessarily want to apply right away and then they go, oh, okay, now I get it. Mm. So there's a different psychology with them. Um, but they're really fun fun to work with too because then adults, when they do it, it's because they want to do it where kids often, it's because their parents want to do it. So it's completely different. Also, Adults have advantages that, that children don't have. So we need to take that into account because otherwise they get bored. But they also have sometimes difficulties that children don't have. An adult who's over 40 years old has had his hand or her hand work a certain way for their entire life. So the, the muscles, the way they force, of the course. way they, they move... Uh, it's to reshape and to change can take a lot, a lot more work. It's a lot of work. So yeah. it's a very different thing. So that's why we have a specific curriculum for them. Also, psychologically, to go on stage for adults mm -hmm. is a different kind of challenge for them. And so, um, we, we tailor make our programs to really adapt to their specific needs. And beyond that, we really then try to get it to the specific needs of each individual. But generally speaking, there are two main lines. Also, adults don't really aim at professional careers. So the goals are slightly different. So we adapt to that as well. So we're shifting more, do. maybe you could use the word hobby. Um, with the 80-year-old gentleman now, I know when he started when he was 78, he's yeah. playing piano, right? Yes. And this is, would you put that in the category of a hobby? Well, that's a hobby, but it's a passion for sure. Okay. Of course, he's not going to become a professional. Right. Um, and that's not his goal, but he wants to learn it as well as he can. And I, I think that's the right way to, to go about anything. If you want to do something, you might as well do it right. And of so course, that's why course. he decided to to study with us. I thought of one other thing. Uh, we were, were speaking before we started filming, and we were talking about people who love to sing. And a lot of people think they can sing, but maybe they can't sing. But if this is a place where you can really go and find out, right? If you have uh, hope <laughs> to uh, to use your voice well, and sing well, is that true or well, false? Maybe I'm not sure about you singing. But, um, <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think my speaking voice is much better. But, but is, can someone it's, do that to get screened? Yes, they can come and get screened, so we can find out where they are. That doesn't mean they won't be able to sing. Uh, not singing in tune is not necessarily. Um, uh, how do you call that? Um, I don't want to say a death sentence, but it's, it doesn't mean it's over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, 
What's more problematic is when they're tone deaf, when they cannot hear or recognize pitch, because then there's not much you can do. And the it's, rhythm, I suppose, because rhythm uh, is a big issue for people. It, it is, but yeah. you can still work on it. Just like not being able to keep the right pitch, mm. you can work on it. But if you can't hear anything... Mm. And mm. you can determine mm. whether someone's tone deaf Yeah, not, we can right? test that in class yeah. for sure. So by the way, I noticed uh, that um, uh, your conservatory, and it's important for the people who are listening to us or who are maybe interested in coming to your place, that you are, we can say 50-50, giving 50% of the lessons in person that people mm -hmm. walk into the conservatory and it's only one-to-one -one lessons. That's Always. Your place. No yes. collective no. Uh, group, okay? Or, uh, since COVID, of course, like many people, you develop an online possibility of teaching the music to your, directly to your conservatory. So, uh, is it 50-50 now you develop this tool? About uh, that, yeah? we have about 50% of our students online. And does it work well online? Because we, everybody yeah. ha always have this impression that yeah. when you go to a well because we talked about adults coming to your place we talked about kids etc but let's put uh, let's go back to the fundamentals when we talk about a french conservatory of music we don't talk about a place where you can have the hobby of playing a little bit of tambourine with your friend no this is serious instruction yeah, we are mm -hmm. going to the basic of music and 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 solfege and and music theory etc so this is may can be an hobby but with a high level instruction mm. so but we all have this kind of preconceived idea that the fact that not being in the same room as the teacher you're losing something a little bit but you told me that in some cases the contrary that yeah. you have some good experience of uh, young uh, kids or um, um, students that online are performing much better than in person yes. can you explain explain us um, how does it work well that, that came first of all as a big surprise to us because we did not expect that i mean nobody knew how efficient uh, online lessons could be. Because you, you, you went online because of COVID, right? uh, Yeah, COVID yeah. forced us because we, we didn't really offer that. I mean, some people did online lessons on Skype and Zoom before that, but yeah. that was really uh, a small number. But when COVID hit, we had no choice. Of course. Our students yeah. couldn't just stop and drop out on everything, and mm. we had to continue working. So uh, we found ways to make it work, and we tried to organize the online lessons to make it as organic and comfortable for the students so the experience would be as close as possible to being next to us. I've been teaching online for a couple years. I've had a lot of different students and I think it's a really great um, way to actually learn an instrument. And with all the technology that we have right now, it works really great. My students, uh, majority of them are young, so they're used to looking at the camera screen. Um, some of the some of the interesting benefits were um, these students that um, maybe had a harder time focusing in class uh, were somehow completely engaged with the camera. And I, th I thought that was very fascinating. I had students that, um, that you know, would, would have to take a little bit of breaks here and there, and all of a sudden they can focus the entire 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, however long their class is. And so that was a fascinating thing for me to, uh, to witness as a teacher. Having dealt with COVID and having to switch uh, to online lessons was a big uh, challenge, but it turns out that it worked really well. And we surprisingly, some students are even more focused and having, have, have been more productive actually online than in-person lessons. It still feels the same because you can feel, you can literally feel their positive energy through the screen. The lessons were as dynamic in um, the online experience. I think it was an overall amazing experience, especially musically, because I felt as if I, would, I still learned really well. 
I don't think the transition was that difficult. I, th I think it went pretty smoothly. Because, I mean, at least me personally, I'm okay with like all the, the video calling and all that kind of thing. Uh, concerning the online uh, program, I was amazed by, by what they could accomplish. And uh, I could compare also what we are doing with online at school. And I think for Colomba, doing online, uh, the piano online didn't change anything. And she performed very well and she continued to progress and to focus on what she was doing. Mm -hmm. Now it turned out uh, a lot of students um, ended up progressing faster online yeah. than in person. And then we started asking ourselves like, how, how, can, how, how is yeah, that this possible? This is surprising. This is surprising. And then we saw studies that were done at different universities um, that I'm not sure how they evaluated those things, but apparently students are 36% more focused online than they are in person. And I, I believe that because we saw that. And there's not, not just me. Other instructors noticed that kids are much more focused. They talk less. They're paying more attention to the thing. When you're next to them in the same room, yeah. often they, you know, they look around, they goof around. They were like, not necessarily paying attention. You're grabbing their hand. So their hand is doing the thing. They're not, they, they, they don't need to pay attention as much. Whereas it's online, they have to. Nobody's holding them. And um, it turned out that a lot of them became more productive. And now we were also concerned about the quality of the detail. Because, you know, all, especially for the French system, it's all about the color, well, of the course. detail, the, the sound. Like, okay, how are we going to address that? Well, it turns out that some softwares allow us to have a level of écoute of, of listening that yeah. is high enough to hear all the detail in the tone and their phrasing, etc., precisely because it doesn't have as much compression, for example. And so we use that to make sure we can monitor clearly and give them the proper feedback as a result. And we had our first in-person uh, live exam this year with the jur jury from Paris in June. A lot of the students who presented themselves at that jury mm. were online. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, we well, saw the setup and yeah. you were monitoring posture and hand position mm -hmm. and, of course, the audio part. But yeah, it yeah. seemed pretty intricate. Well, the, the, the result was simple. First of all, people couldn't tell who was online, who wasn't. Okay. And actually, one of the students... I mean, the, the jury couldn't tell no. who, who, st who studied online or who studied in person. Neither no the difference. jury nor the audience. That's surprising. Wow. And the results were actually the highest score we got this year was a 20 out of 20, which is extremely rare. You know, in France, we don't like to give 20 out no, of 20 because perfection does not exist kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But it was so good that we had to.
Sur le gavotte. Très bon tempo. Very good tempo. Très sensible, très musical. Sensible and sensitive Very musical, beautiful nuances. Bravo, bel examen. Bravo, beautiful examen. Alors, dans la petite main, magnifique petite main, magnificent phrasing. Sensible. Very sensible. Quelle belle prestation. What a wonderful prestation. Bravo, 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 20 sur 20. You obtain 20 out of 20. Yeah, 20 on 20, because in this country, you use A, B, C, oh, D. Yeah, that's right. Okay. In France, we still use the, um, the a mark out of 20. So you have to have 10 to have the average. Yeah, the average. And Even then a 16 out of 20 is, a, is good. 16 out of 20 in French high school is um, a mention very good. Yes. Uh, 18 out of 20 is excellent. And then it's very rare to, to go, go to 20, 20 out of 20. Yeah. And I suppose in, in conservatory um, um, exams, it's very rare too. Yeah. yeah. It's the, our system is similar. 16 to, uh, out of 20 is actually mention bien, mention good. Yes. Above 18, it's très bien, very good. Okay. And mm -hmm. 20, of course, is yeah. perfect. But we never give it. And that girl had 20 out of 20. And she yeah. had been online, not just because we went to COVID. She started online because she's starting during COVID. She had never played the piano before. Wow. So I forged her hand entirely online without ever manipulating her hand. Wow. Perfect position, perfect tone, because we were aiming at getting that sound out from day one. Mm. And it showed on stage and everybody was blown away. So it really, mm. really works well. When you speak about the jury, just to make it clear for the people who are listening and watching, is that so... You have an affiliation, right, for, mm -hmm. with the uh, International Confer Conservatory of Music of Paris, Paris right? Yes. So you're affiliated with them. You explained that you were sent in a mission in the Middle East to open new mm -hmm. conservatory, and then you opened this one, and then you are opening another one in Las Vegas. Plus, you have several other projects. But um, um, the point is that um, um, uh, you said that the jury was French. So yes. Does it mean... That each time you go to an exam uh, for your students, it's the jury is from the French International Conservatory of Paris. Is that correct? Did, did I understand well? Yes. We yeah. are, every year, I mean, except for those years in COVID, but then we had the online. But normally we have judges from the International Conservatory of Paris oh, okay. travel to the United States every year to judge our students. Yes. So How our, many, for example? Well, last year we had three of them from, from, uh, from Paris, from the conservatory, and we had two guest judges. Um, here and I was of course at the table mm. um, and so they come for the live event but also the online students who live too far because we have students abroad in different states mm. um, they get the option to also record their exam in mm. class because it's a one take only don't cheat right uh, online yeah, course, in class yeah. uh, with the, the teacher witnessing it and then those files are uploaded Uh, to us so we can present that to the jury they get judged just like the live students the average of the scores come come out and they receive their diplomas the same way but the certification are given directly from the conservatory in Paris uh, so and it is means this, that I'm um, sorry is darling. it a report card is that sort of like a report card or it, yes it's a small diploma for the level they attempted and it comes with a common card of the comments of the judges themselves what they oh, had to okay. say about oh, it wow. with your score mm. and so that allows us also to keep track of their progress oh, okay. and as they build their university file Yeah. Well, if you did the conservatory for 10 years and you were certified by the conservatory in Paris for 10 years with a great score and you see that you're a serious student and you achieved quite exceptional things, okay. well, that so, weighs ah, for your It means that problem. if I take lessons with you in class with you and then I go through the different exam, my diploma will be of the French Conservatory of Beverly Hills with also
also the French con uh, International Conservatory of Paris? It will be from the International Conservatory of Paris. Of Paris? Yes. Oh, wow. We don't have this our own cool. diplomas here yet. Oh, yeah. We, this... we deliver theirs. They deliver their own. Oh, wow. Yes. So this is cool. Yeah. yeah. And so um, um, it's um, it's very interesting because I, I didn't get this at the, at the first the first time. I thought you had some kind of collaboration. No, you are delivering your diplomas of the uh, Conservatory of Paris. So it means that even if I'm not here in Beverly Hills, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are from, I don't know, Oregon. Idaho. Uh, what? <laughs> even in Idaho. In right? Idaho, yeah. <laughs> what did you say, Idaho? I don't because know, it I just I don't came know, to me. Yeah. Uh, if you are in Georgia, we like Georgia, <laughs> or if you are, I don't know, Massachusetts, whatever, in Anywhere. different states, yeah. you can still study at your place yes. and receive the diploma. But if you're from the UK or from France or from Morocco or from, you can still attend the classes? Yes, yeah. yes as well. Now, the only, um, the only thing is... You have to speak English. Well... If you're from the UK, that won't, won't be a problem. That's for sure. And, f and if you are from the UK and you want to study the French way, mm. you have two choices. Either you study with a teacher in France mm. or with us. The thing is, we speak English. <laughs> I'm sorry, good. France, but sometimes they don't in France necessarily. Well, uh, so mm -hmm. um, that could be a good al alternative for them. But we had students in France who studied with us. Yes. Just, just simply because they liked the teachers that we had. Mm. Um, and we had a student in Morocco who studied voice with us. Now we have students in Canada, on the East Coast, in wow. different states uh, here. Well, so. You can speak French as well because you have so yes. many French-speaking well, teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And by the both. way, I think you, you told me just before, you have an announcement. You are hiring, right? You are looking for... For teachers, yes, we're looking for French. teachers from France yeah. uh, to come in and and uh, bring their expertise here to the United States, yes, and to help us build the program. Because uh, I guess, luckily for us, we're full. Uh, for right. the piano program, is completely packed. Mm. Uh, we have to refuse people, so we need more instructors to um, to be able to accept more students. But hopefully, um, we'll find a new, very competent okay. people to join our team, mm. uh, and we'll be able to accept more piano students. Mm. Well, uh, uh, they are full, ladies and gentlemen. But listen, I'm pretty sure if you give a call to Skander or send him an email to say, um, "I'm coming from Hugo and Sonia." Maybe you can find, you can, you can squeeze me into different, no, I'm just joking. But it means that you are expanding. Yeah, we're expanding, yes. Sorry, darling. Oh, no, something else uh, while we're putting feelers out there for instructors. Yes. I understand you're also looking for venues for your recitals because you're growing so much, both mm -hmm. in Beverly Hills and eventually in Nevada. I in don't Las know where. Vegas. Uh, yeah. In Las, Las Vegas. Vegas yeah. Yes. Yeah. So maybe someone out there will yeah, have yeah, but, uh, for So you. if you are a French yes. teacher, of music and you have good experience, you feel that you can have the level to uh, be a teacher and you want to experiment the American life in LA because you are you are looking for teachers who come and, and set up here, yeah, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And actually, um, we're looking mostly for teachers who have a, uh, a French lineage in their mm. teacher's history. So oh. they don't have to be French necessarily, yes, but they have to have some kind of lineage with, with France. So for yeah. instance, uh, one of our teachers, Dr. Popova, she's our violin instructor. Um, she studied under Guillaume Sutre, um, who's a very famous uh, French uh, violin teacher. He mm -hmm. was himself uh, a student of uh, uh, Gérard Poulet, who's a very, very famous uh, violinist in France. And so she's from Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. 
She does not speak French, but she studied the French. Um, oh, she got the lineage of the French. Yes, and she's from the lineage. Another instructor we have uh, at the conservatory, uh, Mr. Jahanian, uh, he studied also with an instructor um, in the United States who was a disciple of Nadia Boulanger. So he has a lineage directly from there. Of mm. course, I studied in France, so I have my lineage but, there. But uh, um, speaking about lineage, mm -hmm. you told me something that really was jaw-dropping for me yes. uh, yesterday. You said, my lineage as a musician is, goes all the way to Frédéric Chopin. Yes. Can you explain this to us with names? Sure. I want to have names sure. to make sure it's right because it's this is something steps. very important. That's a, we are talking on one of the greatest musicians of all time. Mm -hmm. Well, some people say the Polish people they say he's from Poland and we say he's from France. Well, he was mainly in France but Can you tell us how can you go up to Frédéric Chopin? Well, this is simple. Like most of us who studied obviously had multiple masters. Yeah. Um, so we have multiple branches in our lineages and sometimes they crisscross. But uh, my main, main, main uh, master, uh, my musical mother, I call her Colette Lansens, who's the vice president of the International Conservatory of Paris currently. Mm. Um, uh, her main teacher at the Conservatoire in Paris when she was a student was Yvonne Lefebure. Herself, Yvonne Lefebure, had Alfred Cortot as yes. master. Right. Alfred Cortot's master was Émile Descombes. And Émile Descombes was the pupil. The la I think he was the last student of Chopin. Okay. And so there's a direct lineage. Chopin, Émile Descombes, Alfred Cortot, Yvonne Lefebure, Colette Lansens, and myself, and all the other students, of course, who studied with her. That's really cool, I yeah, must I admit. Yeah, that's a real lineage uh, about Frédéric Chopin. Speaking about um, uh, Frédéric Chopin, and uh, because we speak about French uh, classical music since uh, almost, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe more, and we, we didn't even give a name to the, to, to the people who are listening, because I guess we're on a sartorial channel, so not everybody is totally educated in classical music, and we're going to give you a playlist to get to do your first like steps in the classical music. Skander prepared a, a short list of what you, you should start with to be interested in classical music. But still, um, let's go and give a few names. You could say French conservatory, French music, French mm -hmm. masters. Who are there? I give the first name. Okay. Claude Debussy. Okay. So me, I love Claude Debussy. And for a very specific reason, it's not, um, well, it's not this um, showing off music. It's not this very right. martial, it's not Wagner, you know, no, no. it's not, no, you know, and, 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 and in Debussy, he has this kind of a, for me, Debussy is to the classical music where, what the impressionists, the French are to painting is Debussy is triggering impressions. And in my mind, I love it because it, 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 it lets me, it leaves me a space to contribute in my head. You know, it's some kind of um, music that is pushing you to a kind of an introspection. And, you know, and I really love that. So you explained to me that Debussy has a very, he brings up not maybe a revolution, but he was kind of challenging the, 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 the classical way of interpreting music. Is that right? Oh, he certainly uh, challenged all the codes that yes. we had at the time. His music was unique. Um, some of his teachers disliked his the liberties he took yeah he was yeah, a so, free guy yes yeah. but also he, he sometimes he was missing class so that didn't help with his reputation <laughs> of course. when he won the uh, prix de rome um 
to go study at Villa Medicis for composition. Yeah. He didn't even complete it. It's a three-year program. He's, oh, he left oh. after two years. He was taking vacations all the time to go see his mistress oh, or something. He was a bit flaky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A very, very free spirit. But you can hear it in his music. And nonetheless, he was one of the greatest um, musicians yeah. of the late 19th, early 20th century. Okay. Claude yeah. Debussy, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic music. Give another name. Oh, don't forget, one of the women that he was with for, I think, six or seven years, her dad was a tailor. So maybe he dresses better. Ah, you mean the, the other ones of, a, of, of a, his is uh, I don't know if she was his wife one? or girlfriend, but he was with her for six or seven years. Oh, and, wow. yeah. we saw pictures. We're gonna put so a picture on So if he dresses well, of, maybe this is why. Uh, yeah. You see, yeah. was quite known to be well dressed, and yeah. as well as the founder of the the, the uh, international Maurice Ravel. Yeah, Maurice yeah, Ravel. yeah, yeah, yes, very elegant gentleman for yeah. sure. But it means that Maurice Ravel, everybody knows the bolero, but there's other tracks that can be interesting to listen to. But Maurice Ravel, uh, we're speaking about one of the icon of French music is the founder of the International Conservatory of Paris. So yes. that's a direct connection. So he's our grandfather in a way, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. This is great. So Him with add, a, add a few other names. Sure. Well, there was Paul Ducan and Jacques Hibert who uh, founded the conservatory with him. Yes. Um, uh, for French music, I mean, in the 19th century, you had Chopin, of course. Of course, you Frédéric Chopin. Camille Saint-Saëns, Berlioz, Berlioz. Berlioz yeah. uh, Gabriel Forêt. Yes. Um, so... I mean, quite a big variety. Also, Franz Liszt lived in Paris. Oh, yeah? It had a huge influence there. Oh, I didn't yes. know that. But for yeah. me, it's a different kind of music. Process. There's a lot of... Uh, Virtuoso. There's a lot of notes in a very limited time. And this is why <laughs> I prefer Debussy. And even Chopin in the Nocturne is a much more relaxed and uh, allows you to participate. So, let's go into the list because you are beginners in classical music. And even if you are not beginners... Um, Skander prepared a list, a playlist, so that you can maybe taste a little bit. And we invite you to taste this, because even me, I was not a big, I'm not very educated in classical music, but I, more and more I'm interested in it because it's, it, it, I don't know, it's maybe, well, to, to be honest with you, when I'm dressed like that, I'm more inclined to listen to Debussy or Chopin than to heavy metal. Uh, no, but <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding. It's something like... Almost, I'm looking for distinction in the music I want mm -hmm. to hear. I'm looking for this kind of a spiritual uh, uplifting that you can find in Debussy, in Chopin, Nocturne de Chopin, Opus 20 for me is uh, a magical piece of music. And it's something which is quite, um, how can I say that? It goes well with our passion for nice suits and nice tie, with our passion for elegance and our passion for beauty. And I think it goes very well together. And I just realized now that uh, no wonder why we have all these musicians uh, with us, you know. It's because, been surprising. Yes, we have big names. I know we, you may not know them uh, in the USA, but we have Michel D'Alberto, for example, is a very important, we say concertist? Uh, um, contra pianist. Contra pianist. Contra -pianist. Concert pianist. Concert pianist. We say concertist in French. I'm sorry. Uh, we have his uh, student, Jean-Paul Gasparian. I showed you, uh, we're going to show a few extracts of Jean-Paul Gasparian and you will see. I think it's a great musician. Right? He's phenomenal. Yeah. That guy is phenomenal. I, I, I discovered him recently. Yes. Oh my God. You have to listen to him. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, we're going to put student. a few extracts. Uh, oh, let's, let's, let's look, let's, let's look at an extract of Jean-Paul Gasparian now.
uh, is out of this world. Also, the amount of work he must have put into dedication, the sacrifice he had to make to get to that level. Because mm. you can be, you can have all the talent in the world. Yeah, talent doesn't make your fingers move like that. Of course, you're going to have to practice and work that, uh, just like a pro professional athlete. So he must have had sacrifice a lot. Of course, dedicated him his life to this mm. to to reach that level of excellence. It's mm. incredible. Yeah, uh, like he's a, a good friend of us, yeah. and we say hello to you, Jean Paul. Um, um, and we thank you to uh, give us the, the authorization and the, the, the right to use your videos. And we are really, maybe we can organize something with you in LA. Oh, that right? would be you great. would be happy that to have him. That would be huh? wonderful to have him. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For of sure. course. Um, so now let's go to the playlist. So okay. I'm here. I don't know much about classic music. I even have some kind of preconceived ideas. You know, mm -hmm. it's boring. It's a little bit for the for the snobs and blah blah blah. Sometimes, it's, it's, yeah, it is. It can be very <laughs> boring, actually. Uh, okay, I'm a, I'm a. I'm just starting my classical music journey. Yeah, and uh, give me like a few pieces of music that you really, really uh, advise people to listen to. Well, to as an introduction, I, I think this is a difficult question. I know, yeah, it's a difficult question because the repertoire is so vast, yeah. but. Let's uh, try to give something that is not like a cliche or something that everybody knows. Yes. I mean, I mean, not the four seasons of Vivaldi. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, uh, right. So, but let's say Debussy, for example, um, Reverie. Reverie. Dreaming. Dreaming. Yeah. Reverie. Reverie. Reverie means uh, dreaming yes. in, in French. I highly recommend that one yeah. uh, from Debussy. Um, it's very accessible and gorgeous, and I think it encapsulates the essence of it, especially mm -hmm. for a beginner listener. Um, Chopin, all the nocturnes. nocturnes. Listen to all of them. That that's very accessible as well, and it's just gorgeous. You're going to love it. Yeah, um, I love it personally. My favorite is uh, the Nocturne Opus Twenty, which is uh, you know you know this piece of music that I adore it, and, and because it, I don't know. I think the genius of Chopin is all inside this piece of music. It's uh, very ethereal, and at the same time, it becomes very emotional. 
and it's it's a language literally yeah. this, it allows this, your it, mind to travel exactly and the and the piano is speaking literally yes. to you and then um uh okay so Chopin the nocturnes are nocturnes really for 100%. sure percent um if we Camille Saint-Saëns I think the car, uh, Carnival des Animaux well, how would you call that in English the Carnival of the animals. Carnival yes. the Animals that's Carnival called, yeah. yeah um that's a very colorful uh, work I highly recommend that especially if you have children you want to initiate ah, yeah. them to to classical music I play that to my son a lot an alternative to Prokofiev, I suppose. Yes, um, yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, Pierre et le loup, Peter yeah, yeah. and the wolf, yeah. you said Yeah, that? that's yeah. also great, by the way. Yes. But yeah, for French music, Camille Saint-Saëns, I uh, would highly recommend the Carnival des Animaux. Say the title again? Carnival, Carna Carnaval des Animaux. The, the Animal Carnival. Carnival of Animals. Yes. Or, yeah, I'm not sure how they call Sorry. it in English. Mm -hmm. um, A little bit of Mozart, I suppose? Mozart, I guess, one of the, the, the easiest concert. I mean, easiest. It's a great concerto. Uh, it's one of my favorite... Uh, Uh, it's um, the concerto number 20 by Mozart. Mm -hmm. the requiem that's a bit heavy but this is gorgeous work you you have to listen to it um but um be in a fairly good mood because you're gonna get depressed I otherwise is it depressing? I mean, <laughs> no it's not really depressing but it's heavy it's heavy i personally enjoy that i used to lock myself up in my room and listen to it like for hours and hours and hours when i was 15 years old oh, wow. i was so such a fan of that piece a gorgeous work and then maybe a little bit of Bach would be nice because mm. a lot of um, you asked foundations there um, What, which one of Bach for so Bach maybe on the lighter side the Brandenburg concertos Thank you. 
Those are great. Um, and because Tokata and Fugue is a little bit more complicated. Well, yeah. well, the the Tokata and Fugue, the one that is famous, the, yeah, the, the vampire thing. That's okay. Okay, all right. The Fugue, but yeah. the other things, it's just not a, maybe not as accessible. Ah, okay. Uh, maybe it's uh, as you level up a little bit with yeah. your uh, music education, you start to really appreciate that. I mean, the Bach partitas are absolutely gorgeous, mm. all of them. It's a bit more complex, but for sure, the, the Brandenburg concertos are uh, very accessible and, and, and fun pieces to listen to. Okay. Um, and the Goldberg variations, uh, but that's more to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and but my one of my personal favorites are the um, uh, the Mass and B minor. Okay, uh, this is something that something spiritual about it. Definitely, I mean it's a mass, of course, mm -hmm. but there's something to find about this piece. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Johann Sebastian Bach was very uh, inspired by yeah. the scripture, and he had a difficult life. Uh, I don't know all the story of his life, but it's kind of a dramatic life. He had a lot of trials, a lot of death around him. If yeah, you like uh, uh, his family, and I think he lost he lost sight at one he moment. Did, yes. It was a catastrophe. That's a very biography difficult life. to read. If you yeah, yeah. If you're but that. he always uh, keep you know, the show on the road, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. And he did a great job. So that's a beautiful list. We're going to put the list on the description of the video. But if you want to step in uh, the world of classical music, uh, Mr. Skander Lajimi, the head and founder of the French Conservatory of Beverly Hills, uh, gave you his personal playlist. And I can tell you, he's a reliable source for that. I just wanted to paint a picture of what life's like for you at the conservatory. From what I understand, if, if I'm a student, I would go there at least uh, once a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fees are around a hundred something an hour, depending on if you're doing online or in or person. In person yeah, so you're going minimum four times um, in a month, and maybe more if four you're studying. Four to five, depending on the calendar. And if you want to yeah. throw in a theory class or an academic yeah. class, you can. Yes. Right, and you can commit to any amount of time as long as you give. Two weeks notice, is that right? Did I get it right? Uh, yeah, two it, weeks notice stop. before the next month. Yeah, right. if you decide to, to to stop the next month, we just ask for a two-week notice before the beginning of the month. So That's it's very all. flexible. Yes. And if you want to sign up for a quarter system, you can, right? For three months yes. at a time. There are, is that there right? are options to, to okay. do that as well. Okay. Yes. All right. And, and so I'm just struggling with um, how this word conservatory is so common in France. Do you perceive it to be growing in the United States? Or do you think you're more like a founder for this concept of going to conservatory? Or a pioneer. Or a pioneer is a better mm. word. Um, this is a difficult question to ask because I don't have enough um, du recul, um, yeah. enough data, I guess, to, to make an analysis on this. But what I can tell you is this. Um, we grew extremely fast. Uh, very quickly we developed before COVID. We had a branch in uh, San Diego and then Pasadena and Los Feliz. And, and then we went up to Berkeley and then COVID hit. Oh, All wow. of those turned into online. But mm. uh, the the hunger for that kind of um, education, which is rigorous. It's not easy. It's um, I don't want to scare anyone, but it's <laughs> it's a little bit of pain, a lot of effort before you get any kind of reward. Of but this is also what, this is universal. This is the value uh, of the craft as well. You have to go through that effort before you get the, the, the reward. And that makes it that much sweeter, I think. And if I remember correctly, you said uh, the one thing that motivates you more than anything else is what you're trying to describe now. I think, and, and Hugo could say the same thing about rugby. I could say the same thing about people in my family who've gone through the wrestling culture. Mm -hmm. Can you define what is that thing that you 
get that you acquire from going to conservatory, say, for a few years? What do you acquire as a human? Uh, beside the music. That yes, is to yes. Say, the music, the uh, internal uh, qualities yeah, that... And that, the values that uh, you, you, you are exposed to. I would say perseverance, I suppose. Okay. Well, there are d many uh, general skills, um, values that you do have to develop mm. and acquire in order to become a good musician. And those things uh, translate well into real life in general. And one of those are perseverance. Mm -hmm. You have to persevere to not give up when you face difficulties. And mm -hmm. obviously, because otherwise you'll never get anywhere, especially mm -hmm. with music, it is, it is very difficult. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to focus. You have to learn to become self-disciplined. You have to learn to listen. Mm -hmm. That is wow. a very important That's a big one. skill. You have to learn to take responsibility. You have to learn to willfully face a challenge mm -hmm. and conquer it and overcome it. For example, getting on stage. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. And and then you have to also develop um, ways of thinking because music is, an ab is abstract. It's a language, but it's an abstract language. And so you have to develop at the same time mathematical, rational, and structured thinking, but also abstract thinking on multiple dimensions and on multiple uh, levels of resolutions of, of analysis. When you look at a piece of music, it, all of those different universes and world exist within a piece. Mm -hmm. That's something that is forced, so to speak, upon you for you to really make sense of what you're performing. And I think this is a, a, an amazing gift to anyone who goes through that process. Again, it requires a lot of effort, but mm -hmm. the reward... It's stay with you so throughout immense your life, right? throughout your life. Yes. And, and I mean, there's no, there's no surprise why so many surgeons and high level lawyers and very successful people studied music when they were children at a, at a high level. They didn't oh. become professionals, but they studied it. Um, so wow. it's a good school of Thank life. Uh, definitely. May I add a value that you didn't speak about this humility? Maybe? Uh, humility. Well, Obviously, I mean, you're dealing with the greatest minds and geniuses <laughs> that have ever existed. Yes. And you're a humble little cell trying to make sense of this. Yeah. It is definitely a humbling experience. But beyond that, also, the fact that you realize that you can almost feel physically where the limitations are and how you can overcome them. Uh, it's funny, My um, one of my students were telling me that he was almost feeling the myelination process to occur in his mind and in his body as he was developing his his piano. He's like, it's amazing. It's like you can really feel where your limit is and as you go over it. And this is very humbling because you can be the smartest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Doesn't allow you to play the piano necessarily. Right. You're going to have to put the grind and put the work in. So right. uh, in that sense, Thank it's also you. very um, humbling. And then when you present yourself like this on stage mm. it's like you're naked in a way of course it's yeah. just you yeah it's better to yeah. wear a shirt and tie yes it is better. that's another story now speaking about presence on stage I know that you are teaching to your students what we can, we can say the stage etiquette is that the right way yeah, to stage put it etiquette. stage yeah. etiquette yeah, I think so. and that's some rules right that you are teaching your students from the onset very early in the process yes. to, to help them since how to present themselves to the public. Can you give us a... We're gonna, I like this question because even for those of us who need to get up on stage and make a speech or for those of us who are in meetings and have to speak to a group or any time we have to rise to the occasion yeah. and perform solo, this is going to mm -hmm. be very helpful. I so think. you're going to explain it and we're going to show some uh, some uh, sure. pictures that we're going to shoot probably later today or, or, or tomorrow morning to just show to the people how it works but explain to us that the first thing that you 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 taught us yesterday night is that when you go on stage and you have to stand up and you have to move your shoulders 
backwards is that correct yes so and you told me that the moving backwards creates serotonin so you can i can tell sonia since, <laughs> yes i'm uh, since already I, i'm yes yeah. and, and since yesterday night, uh, she, I, i'm i'm walking like that the whole day <laughs> because i'm looking <laughs> well, for well a serotonin. doctor once told me turn your hands out it's that simple okay start from the beginning <laughs> well it's it's correct uh, the essentially um Give, we, give us some good serotonin. We, 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 we discovered that as musicians, we didn't really know what the mechanisms were, were yeah. and, but science seemed to have confirmed that. When you adopt a dominant position, yeah. you tend to produce more serotonin. And that helps balance out the stress because when you have straight right, you have a ton of cortisol building up. I didn't yes. hear you. What? The cortisol and adrenaline uh, yes. are building up yes. and yeah. serotonin is kind of helping you calm down and balancing those things out. Because you're kind of... Tr- trying to trick your body into believing that no you're safe everything is okay which is true because there's no tiger trying to eat you exactly but, um so you have to adopt a physical posture of dominance by pulling pushing your shoulders back mm-hmm. keeping your head high yeah stand upright that's one of the first step as you are waiting to stay focused the other thing the other impact of this is not just on you although indirectly it would be on you is when you walk on stage if you walk adopting a dominant posture the public will feel the it the public will feel it but not only that it will be reassuring because you're showing them you're in charge you got this like it's going to go well don't worry it's because all okay. the truth is this you know many students when they get on stage they're afraid that people are going to judge them of course that people yeah. could oh look he or she made a mistake it's what true is this? for every activities of life when you have to deal right? with public yeah, yeah general, but yeah. The, the truth is people want you to succeed they don't want to to blame you they're here to so support you so you're not only nervous they could be nervous yes too. of course and they they are your ally Right. They're not against you. No, they're right. they're they're with you. They want it to go well. They want to enjoy this show, right? Yeah. They're about to see. So when you show them that posture, you 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 show them confidence that calms them down because mm. they know it's going to go well. Now, here's the interesting thing. Because of that empathy that we all have within with each other, when the audience calms down and feels calm and relaxed and they know you are in charge, guess what happens? You don't feel their stress, so you calm down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, if you don't have a strong, confident posture when you walk on stage, you're all like leaning forward and you're crossing your hands in front of you. Mm-hmm. Your shoulders are down. Your head is down. You look very submissive or scared, you know, like a dog with their tail between their legs and like mm-hmm. looking down. The audience is worried now because like, why? What's going on? And he, it becomes not... reciprocal again yes. in a negative mm-hmm. way. Exactly. I because see. now you feel the audience being stressed. That right. stresses you out even more. So it's like this kind of cycle that you have a feedback loop that is happening and so the posture is important for those two reasons you how it makes you feel and how it makes the the audience resonate with you so that's the first step mm-hmm. now as we walk on stage we get to the piano well let's take the piano as an example because mm-hmm. that's my field yes. specifically um it's important to find a position on the stage that would allow you to elegantly sit uh, on your chair after you bow. So for instance, let's take the corner of the keyboard there. Mm -hmm. You can use that as a reference point. It's not Mm -hmm. too far, so you don't have to walk back. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to bow 
clean knee properly in yes. front of people. It's clear. And then just step into your chair. That way you don't have to turn around and show your and back. And show your butt, of course. You don't want yeah. to show so your you back to the audience. So you never turn your back to the audience. No, never. He right. said your back, I said your butt. Yeah, yeah. Same, thing. same thing. So same the, thing. the student or the performer chooses a focal point, which happens yeah. to be the edge of the piano. In this case, yeah, it's the most practical place. Right. Now, also, don't forget, when you bow to an audience, you can do the experiment at home. Um, close your feet. I always say to the students, please close your feet. Don't keep them uh, wide open. It just looks very weird. Close your feet and then step in. But now uh. this is just getting on stage. There are a few things that are completely unnoticeable by the audience that a musician has to do. And I think a speaker should do as well before they start speaking or performing. Mm-hmm. Once you sit, of course, you should make sure your chair is adjusted. Yeah, of course. But most of the time it is, unless you're playing with a bunch of other people yeah, that are saddled. Yeah. Most of the time it is adjusted yes. for you beforehand. So if it's not adjusted, of course, make the adjustment, stay elegant, wa- face the audience if you have to lift yourself up a little bit to adjust the chair on the side. And eventually, you can also step outside, go around the chair the other way and adjust it, push it forward or backward and then go back and never turn your back, of course, on the audience. And don't drag your seat. And don't you're drag your there. seat. Okay. Exactly. Yes, okay. uh, be as light as possible when you do that. Now, mm. you are seated, adjusted, ready to go still two more steps to do the first step is to well not let the stress um force you to jump in too quickly because you know your heart is racing a little bit and that makes us want to just you know urgently jump in and get rid of it and we're not really in control to break that take a deep breath and place your hands in the right position of course so when you're ready to start you're not hitting the wrong notes. You're already placed properly. So do that at the same motion. So it's one gesture and you place. Once that is in place, you just brought a lot of oxygen in your brain. Yes. Great. You calm down a little bit and you're in control because you didn't let your your stress force you to, to start. Now mm. you're in control. Now it's time to do the last step. The last step is... Mentally, the tempo. Decide what your tempo is. Of exactly. Course. I'm a drummer, so, mm-hmm. so you know. Yeah. Sync yourself to that tempo. Uh, Control that speed, because okay. you, again, with stress, you might start too fast. If you start too fast, you're going to panic. If you panic, you're going to crash, and then it's a disaster. So set your tempo in your head. Sync yourself to it clearly, and then inside that tempo, hear your phrase, your first sentence, musical sentence. Hear the tone, the sound you want. Sing it in your head at that tempo, and now you're ready to go. Boom. Oh, so you're not rushing. Like no. you're sitting there, so you're waiting for the right time. Take your time, right? yeah. basically. Waiting for the it right can time. Can take 30 take seconds, one minute. It it's doesn't okay take that long. It's okay to be quiet. Yes, yeah. just be there. People are going to be just waiting. Yeah. Nobody's in a hurry for you yeah. to start. Wow. They'll wait. I'm very interested in that because, uh, darling, we've been um, speaking about a lot of different subjects over the years. And right. this this idea of taking your time is redundant. It's coming nice, constantly. Why? Because we live in a civilization, people they don't take their time anymore. Mm. And they have this misconception that um, uh, there's, life is an emergency. Mm-hmm. That is right. to say, if you don't do things fast, you will never do them. It is not true, ladies right. and gentlemen. But what if you make a mistake while you're playing? Well, you continue. You, continue. you, you don't acknowledge it, that's for sure. Yeah. Don't make any weird faces. 
Don't look at the audience like, oops, don't say anything. Continue. Try not to stop. Recover. Because the truth is, even professionals, I'm sure you can ask uh, Jean-Paul Gasparian Wait. or uh, Alberto, Michel Alberto. Yeah. You make life. mistakes even as a professional. The question is not if. It's will people notice? How do you recover? Because sometimes, you know what? It's very admirable to see someone completely mess up yes. and recover like that. Uh, that is well done. This is impressive. So don't necessarily use that as, oh my God, I messed up. People are going to judge me. It's the end. The, my life is over. No, 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 no. Recover. Try to give a show, a performance that is steady. Do not interrupt it or ruin it for people because chances are also they didn't notice. Mm. Unless you point it out, most of the time people don't notice. And if they did recover from it, you might actually be even more respected for recovering from an accident, you know? Right. So, yes. And then you have your exit and then you have your exit so on the exit likewise take your time do not stand up before your hands are done playing finish your piece if there are rests at the end of the piece stay suspended because it's part of the music even though there's no noise no sound it's still part of your music stay in it then once you remove your hands and put them on your lap then that's a signal they can clap you can stand up bow make sure you close your feet Take your time. Have a little bit of a glow in your face. Don't show them that you were worried in case you were not happy with your performance. Mm. Don't show people you're mad at yourself because they probably don't perceive it the way you did and they don't know. Maybe it was just fine to them. But if you send them a signal that of course. you were actually mad, they're going, What's, what happened? Or maybe it wasn't that good. And then the whole perception of the performance is distorted. Mm. So have a small glow, a small smile. Be just grateful that people listen to you. And that's also one part of, of course. the lesson of humility. Be grateful. And then... Go back uh, out of the stage. Walk gently. Don't walk uh, in a defeated position again. Keep that dominant position with your shoulders back, with the glow on your face, and uh, then you will have left a great impression on your audience. You had so a nice. clinic, ladies and gentlemen, right. on the stage etiquette for classical music. And you music. noticed all three of us are getting there. Were, there all of a sudden, we are all around. like that because <laughs> I'm producing a lot of serotonin right serotonin. now. And uh, believe me, I think I'm going to walk like that all day long now. I'm talking. Thank you. This is pure wisdom. Actually, True. this is like a gem that mm -hmm. we discovered this world. And thank you, Skander, for all this uh, brilliant explanation about that. My I pleasure. have a last question for you. Yes. Um, You know, with Sonia, we are totally, um, um, uh, how do you say that, addict to craftsmanship. We are yes. passionate with craftsmanship. Everywhere we look, we try to find where is the craftsmanship? Where are the best makers? And, and so we spoke about piano. It's not so a universe I know very well, but it's a universe I know a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I knew for me that the highest of the gold standard were Steinway and Son on one hand and Bösendorfer on another hand, yeah. which is Well, I mean, two very famous uh, piano yes. crafter. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but you told me, oh, well, Hugo, if you really want to go to the craftsmanship of piano, there's another brand which is called Fazioli. Yes. <laughs> It sounds Fazioli. immediately like Fazioli. A lot a of watch bit, uh, connoisseurs may yeah, be interested like, in this. Uh, it's, like, uh, it's Italian, of course. And uh, I didn't know this brand. Can you give us a, a few words about this one? Because you said to me Fazioli is the top of piano well, in the world. Well, of yeah. course, it's a personal preference. Yes. I mean, Stanwyz and Bösendorfer are great, uh, great pianos. Of course, but it's true that Fagioli's, maybe I'm biased because I grew up on them. My my piano teacher, Colette Lancens, yes, has two uh, in her home. Actually, she has a, um, a recital hall in her home with two Fagioli's on stage. Wow. And so I grew up on them. But um, 
here, my friend Pierre Julia is the owner of the Fazoli uh, dealer here in Los here Angeles. In Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to do the, our recitals there, and our students got uh, the chance to play on those instruments. Oh, wow. They, and, the, your students yes, were allowed yes. to play on the Fazoli. Yeah, because that was kind of the point where you do all this work and we so we do such detailed work with yeah. with with our with our craft at yeah. school the way we approach it so driving also, uh, playing a fazioli when you're a kid or a student is like driving a bentley uh, while tr tr yes. taking a driving lesson right. pretty much, much yes yeah. but then they could really apply because there was the, those instruments so responsive and so clear and everything sounds so beautiful they really make the instruments sing yeah. uh, and where are they crafted so they're made in italy and okay. they're pretty much made by hand Fully by hand. I believe so. Now, yeah. again, Pierre would know more about this than yes. I do, but I think it's the last manufacturer of piano that is still mostly by hand or almost fully by hand. Yeah. Other other companies use a lot more machinery. Also, mm -hmm. they have a very small volume of production. I think their maximum production annually is about 180 pianos. Oh, well, I may be really wrong small. on this, but yeah. it's around in, within that yeah, range. Yeah, it's not thousands. Like yeah. thousands and how long does it take to craft one, for I think, example? I think it takes them at least six months. Okay. And that's for a basic one. If you okay. want, and how much would it cost to, to I buy one? It's expensive, I, I think suppose. A basic, well, it has a value. It's not cost. What, right. it's a value. Well, what's the value? Yeah. Yes, the value of a nine footer, I think, is about one hundred eighty thousand oh, dollars. that's uh, and yeah. that's without any kind of customization. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, the, then the sky's the limit. I know they had uh, the Luminal. I think was the name. It was a very special, one of a kind uh, Fazoli piano that looked like a boat. Mm. Um, uh, Herbie Hancock played on it. Um, oh, wow! And this thing was, I think, five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, a, a basic, if there's such a thing, Fadzuli, nine footer concert grand is about $180,000. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, so this is the top of the line. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, it's is, very. Uh, but it's bizarre. I didn't, never heard about them. They're very discreet people, right? Or it's, it's just it's, for connoisseurs. It's l'artisanat. It's ar ar artisan work. You yeah. know, it's a small volume artisan specialty. And uh, Italian. Work. And Italian. It's like Italian, Dufour, they like to. Like Dufour watch or a uh, uh, Laurent. Ah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like Philippe Dufour. It's independent Dufour, watchmaker. Right. They, they are the same. They're a little right. bit, um, but, but I hope um, these people. So Fazioli, ladies and gentlemen, we decided to, to, to quote their name because um, we are always in, in the search with Sonia, who is the, the best craftsman in their field. And obviously, I'm going to um, take a look at Fazioli, and um, it's a beautiful thing. You have a last thing I to have say? a last question. Yes. Uh, okay, say I do live in Idaho. How do I sign up for your class? Well, it's very <laughs> simple <laughs> um if you live in an area for example where you don't what do you mean, you're obsessed i don't with know Idaho? it just came to me so. <laughs> if, you, if you live far from the conservatory or if you live in an area where you don't have necessarily access to that type of education uh wherever it might be in the world you just have to go on our website um frenchconservatory.com uh, go to our contact section you can contact us directly there and ask us questions you can also give us a call but usually uh uh, email is the the best way to to reach us, mm -hmm. and then uh, we'll um, see what your situation is, what your goals are, mm -hmm. what you're looking for. We'll set up a free trial lesson uh, for you, so you can also see if that's what you were looking for, yes. and that will allow us to evaluate you as well to build a program tailor made to you, no pun intended, mm -hmm. um, right. and and uh, help you achieve those goals as, as quickly nice. and promptly as possible. And we've seen your location in Beverly Hills. Great. And you're going to be opening a location in Las Vegas yes. next year? We're working on it. We're hoping to be able to open it in September right. and really launch the program then. Um, 
maybe a little bit sooner, but September 2023, for sure, that's what we're aiming for for Las Vegas. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. So we have, well, Welcome. I'm French. Sonia is becoming French. I don't know if you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, this is the third last question. Because <laughs> the last question is always uh, triggering another question and another question. I want to finish this interview Uh, which was, it was great. It was a, a very interesting and we love with Sonia to step in new worlds like that and mm -hmm. see that beauty is everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the beauty of the gesture of playing the piano, the beauty of the, of the music, of course, but behind that, there's always some kind of a, I don't know, is there a universal, um, um, thing that is uh, at work that, I mean, I think that um, the, the French um, uh, academician called François Cheng says something very important. He says, beauty makes us better. Yeah. It makes us better human beings. And beauty is everywhere. We just have to relearn the, the capacity of opening our eyes and look around and take the time. What I take away from this discussion is a lot of things, humility, responsibility, but take your time. Don't try to burn the traffic light of your life. You have time. Life is not an emergency. And it's the same in the sartorial world. It's the same in the musical world. It's the same in the cooking world. It's the same in the cigar world, in the whatever, in the wine world. Take your time. Time is your best ally. And we have this misconception, ladies and gentlemen, in this world that as if life is an emergency, life is not an emergency. On the contrary, you miss so many things and I'm going to turn 60 next year. So now I can start to speak as an old guy, you know, and give, share with you my experience. And I noticed that the more with Sonia, we practice the art sometimes, well, rarely, but we try to practice the art of doing nothing. Mm. That is to say, practice the art with some kind, give yourself some time to think, to understand, to look, and you will find beauty everywhere. And when you take your time and you really become not an expert, but you will become knowledgeable in every subject that you tackle in life, then life becomes more and more interesting. It's true in the sartorial world. It's true in the musical world. It's true in any activity. My last question for Skander is that as far as I know, before you were a metalhead, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were playing even in a metal group, right? Yes. This is a kind of a strange conversion, right? And you were, <laughs> you showed us picture. You were long hair, um, new rock boots and all that. Yes, stuff. great how, looking how, guy. How, how all of a sudden you get this change, you know, at the, and you became the man you are today. As far as I know, you wear a suit every day, right? Yes. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it means that if you want to play music at his conservatory, you have to wear a suit and a tie. I'm joking. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But he will be most of the time in suit, even at home, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, I have different levels of formality, of, of course, course what I'm wearing, but Believe pretty me. much, yes. I mean, I think it is important to feel outside the way we feel inside. Yes. And if we don't feel too great inside, maybe it's even more important to feel great outside to come to, you know, to yeah. help you feel comforted and feel like, okay, no, things are, hmm. oh, let's uh, rise up to the occasion. I mean, like someone said to me uh, once, like every day is an occasion, every day is important. Yes. So you should celebrate it. And I think it's, it's one of the ways to, to do hmm. that as well. But yeah, beyond that, um, to go back to your question, I, I think uh, the sartorial 
experience that I, I got into was more of an evolution for me in a way. I was always yes. interested in detail and and sophistication and things like that, but in a gothic way. Yes. Before. <laughs> so and, and then it turned into a more classic man uh, thing. I guess I grew up a little yeah. bit too. And but it, yeah. it fits you very well, by the Thank way. You. Uh, I'm really glad that you um contacted us and wanted to perform um this sartorial talk theme song. Um, and thanks to Justin, who actually um, composed it, it all came together. So yeah. we're really glad to get to know you. So here we go, coming. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, my friend. It was a Thank pleasure you. to be with you. We uh, appreciated this moment a lot. I think it shows that we are very comfortable here. We could continue for hours and oh, yeah. hours. But Andrew, <laughs> on the other side of the camera, in the control room, we're not going to be happy. I think he's ready uh, to Because go. I think he may have a dinner sometimes <laughs> tonight. <laughs> he must go back to his family. Anyway, it was a great pleasure to have you, Skander. Thank yes. you, Sonia, Thank for this you. beautiful Thank moment. You, we give you an appointment to the next episode of Sotoral Talks. In the meantime, be well, uh, stay well, take care of your family, take your time, ladies and gentlemen, and dress well. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.